Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Gukar, with my fabulous returning guest, Dr. Sharna Prasad, Doctor of Physical Therapy, and one of my favorite plain cane plain <laughs> pain clinicians in the world. Um, joining us today for another conversation about our favorite topic, which I, I guess is really kind of pain, right? Is kind of oh. the, the the thing. Um which which is sort of weird, right? People are like, oh, how could you um I guess from a clinical standpoint, right, is people say, uh, oh, I can't believe you do what you do, or that must be so hard, or, that must be so horrible or whatever, because from the clinical end, there's these ideas about chronic pain care, and, um, you know, how do, how do we discuss that without getting language that is not pleasant, I don't know. What, what, what would you, what do you think about that when you hear people say, Oh, I can't, I could never do what you do or, or whatever. Well, I, I don't know if I told you this, but there was this kid who came to me and said, uh, just a young PT student. And he said, um, Oh, I just finished PT school. And then I'm doing my fellowship in sports medicine. And I was like, yeah, great. Um, and I heard you just do chronic pain. And, and he said, I'm sorry for you. And I said, Oh, well, why and why are you sorry for me do you not work with pain patients he said yeah i do but not like you and i was like how does that matter right pain is pain if you don't understand chronic pain you don't understand acute pain so one thing that came to mind when i was talking when you were saying something is um you had come to our department about you know five six years when i was um the coordinator for continuing ed and you came in so excited about about pain and what you were trying to say and I, I was just like I wasn't I wasn't there I, I wasn't I was still in my biomechanical uh, mind so I was like why is he so excited about this information and then you were just like vibrant and jumping and you know like just talking <laughs> in this whole space and I just remember that incident and I was thinking wow what is what is the deal what is what, what is so exciting about chronic pain? It's What's so hard to treat. <laughs> That's all I can tell. But anyway, long time. That was a long time back. Yeah, it, it, it is kind of it, it is kind of interesting because and in, you've seen it, I've seen it. I think everybody's sort of seen it when you start getting into the spaces. You start getting excited, and it, and the the frustration definitely changes. I I kind of think from a from a clinical perspective, the frustrations that I was experiencing before I became a quote unquote, like a real pain specialist, not an injectionist poking needles. And that was frustrating. Um, was, you know, you get frustrated because you feel like you have to do something, but you don't know what to do and, or what you do isn't working. Right. And we've, and I think we've talked about that with the fixing versus facilitating. You're feeling like I have this responsibility to fix somebody. And yet you feel helpless in order to do that because you do stuff, you do a, 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 a treatment, basically some sort of passive-based modality. Some people get better, some people don't. The people who get better, we'll take the credit for. But the people who don't get better, we say, well, it must be something wrong with them, obviously, because my treatment works or whatever. And that 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 sort of discontinuity, that can be extraordinarily frustrating from a clinical standpoint because most of us want people to get better. I mean, if you somehow, I, there are people who, I don't want to use the word burnout, but they just don't care anymore. They're like, okay, it works great. If it doesn't work, who cares? At least I get paid. But I don't think that's the majority of clinicians. I think most clinicians actually want to do something that feels like they're being an effective clinician that are actually helping people to get better. Um, and so that disconnect can be um, quite jarring, to say the least. I, 
actually two things came up. One is, um, you know, we, we have a lot of clinicians who get their dopamine from when patients get better, you know, it's, that's their reward. I, you know, I help them get better is their, their whole thing. And when you go in and you start talking about that and say, Hey, we're not fixing them. They're getting better on their own. They get very offended with that part. So what I have started doing now with my patients is I don't take responsible. I don't take, um, credit if you get better. Because if they say, you know, I get better, thank you, Sharna. It's like, no, 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 it's not thank you to me. You did all the work, so it's thank you to you. Then pat yourself on the back. And I also don't take responsibility if you don't get better, because otherwise I am going to burn myself out constantly if you are not putting in, if you're not able to come up with a plan that's working for both, for, you know, for you. Because mm -hmm. I was like, I've done this for a very long time. If the goal is how can you figure out what it is that in your life that is an obstacle or um you know a speed a road bump that we can help get over that so those are my go-to's when i explain this to them like i'm not taking credit for anything you do it's your all your work you're the one who's doing all the hard work yeah and, and that's a that's a great point and it's and that moves into the whole fixing versus facilitation mindset which I'm, we we may have talked about in the previous episode, all our conversations start blurring together a little bit. And yeah, there's, yeah. And there, but there, there's a lack of the ego changes for sure. Because when you are no longer quote unquote, fixing someone, you can't take credit. Right. Yeah. But facilitation, you can't necessarily, uh, we can feel good about doing it, but the, but the perspective shifts. And I can see if you, if you, or the hard charger feeling like oh, I'm, you know, I'm the top of the mountain and I fix everybody except for the people who don't get fixed in this, their fault. Um, you know, there, there, there's that ego sort of driven perspective that that can be difficult again to, to, uh, can be difficult for the clinician to, to kind of overcome there. But what, what do you think when you are working with your colleagues then, what are the challenges that you see when when people switch between that fixing and facilitating mindset? Like, how how do they make that transition? What are the stumbling points that that they have while they're doing it? Um, how have you have you have you had any tricks or tricks or strategies then to kind of help the the clinician sort of lose that that I'm responsible for everything or I'm responsible for these outcomes? What are you doing? Well, I, I can't say that I have been very successful with my colleagues yet. Um, I think the it's like it's raising kids, right? Mm -hmm. You you can't tell them what to do, right? You have to do what you want them to do, right? So it's like leading by example. And so to me, that culture change has taken a, is taking a very very long time. We, we are starting to see it, but we're not there. We, we, there are still um, clinicians who will say, I don't know what you, you know, well, they'll be frustrated with their patients and they'll say, I don't know what you want me to do. You know, they'll come to me and say, I don't know what this patient wants me to do for them. And I was like, the, the patient just wants you to be a witness to their, their journey. Sometimes we don't have to do anything. We just don't. We just have to be there and be present with them and follow them actually more than anything. So I did have an uh, incident I remembered with uh, one of my coworkers who was going through some personal issues at that time. 
and she was very frustrated with this particular patient and she came back and said you know this patient complains about this all the time and um you know they he he comes every time but i really don't know what to do and and my comment to her was how do you feel where are you when you're with she's like i'm very anxious so it's like can we take some time to just do that self care and settle yourself down and maybe he's coming to you not maybe you know he's coming to you for help and he's been showing up every single time he's not faking up his pain at any time that's not true you know that mm-hmm. right so it's how do you settle down first and just listen to the story with an open mind and not have those old beliefs that are you know that you believe are you know that you need to fix or change it's it's not about that I don't know if I answered your question or not, but well, you, you, you added on to it a little bit more. The fact of the matter is, if you're think, if if you are sort of coming in with this idea, if you're starting that encounter with the idea, I have to fix something, then we're actually not listening, because then we're thinking, well, here's the, my skills that I have. How can I how can I do this? How can I do this to this person? Or how how can I fit this into this thing? Rather than listen to the narrative and listen to the story from the from the from the client, right? And that makes that big difference when we're looking again from fixing to facilitating, because then if we're poaching, you know, looking at it like a coach now, then the story, what they tell us is so much more important than what I want to do, right? Because what I want to do may actually have nothing to do with what's important to them. So, so being able to listen now and just to kind of see where I fit. And that's the other, other important thing about it from a, you know, from a clinical burnout side, what, what I found was when you are no longer, when you freed yourself from the expectation of I have to do something and you can listen, you know whether or not this is going to be a good fit for you. Because if I do not have the skill sets, again, now the ego is gone, I can say, you know what, I think you need this person. Yeah. Or I think you need, this is what I would suggest. This is what I can do with you. But you know what? There may be something else that may be working better. And here's my colleague that has a particular skill set. What do you think about that? And that, um, yeah, it's, I just, I'm just sitting here and I'm just pausing a little bit because it is such a different treatment paradigm than what is typically presented. And yet it is, from a stress standpoint, it's just so much better. Like, it, I... <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to say it any different than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as a clinician stress point, right? You're going in with this anxiety. This patient's had pain for so long. I, I, I don't know what to do with this patient. Versus you go in and say, this patient's had pain for so long. And oh, I'm, I'm very curious to know his story and, and see where and how I can support this person. And that's, that's all it is. It's their journey. It's, you know, how are you going to just be that support with the need and validate what they're going through? And that piece of affirmation that, oh my gosh, that you're showing up, you know, five times. And that's what I told my coworker. It's like the fact that this, this person has shown up five times, he knows that you can help her in some way or the other. Now the question is, how do you get yourself out of the way? Mm-hmm. And just be there with him. And then that was like, wow, that, that, and it, it did, it changed her whole, the whole therapy session for her, but, um, it's still, uh, it's still a long way. We, we still, as clinicians, we are, we're far from 
being in that place of I don't need to do. I, I just need to be. I like that. You know, I, I don't need to do. I just need to be. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's a that's a, a great quote. And the other the other thing I was thinking about this is, um, you know, from from another from a clinical standpoint now we're not in this position. I don't know how often this comes up in physical therapy, but in medicine, it comes up quite a bit. This whole idea of firing your patient, which I can't stand. I think it's, I mean, there, there's a reason if there's an assault, if there is violence, if there's threats, then I understand the therapeutic relationship needs to be ended. But, um, oftentimes and particularly around opioid prescribing, this comes up and they're like, well, I, I fired the patient because X, Y. And I'm like, well, why are you, you don't have to fire a patient. Now, on the same token, you don't have to write or do things that you do not believe in, that you do not think are clinically efficacious. You do not have to write opioids if you do not uh, uh, believe that they are appropriate for the condition, the time, et cetera. You know, um, and we've talked a little bit about opioids in the past in kind of a nonchalant way, and that's a whole other discussion, people. So if you are listening and all of a sudden you're, you get your beliefs all round up because we have these type points around opioids, calm down. We'll have a discussion about that in the future. But what it means as a prescriber, you don't have to fire them either because now you can set up, Hey, this is what I can do to help you. I am here for you. I will be here with you through this process. This is the, the, the things that I can get you engaged in. This is what I can follow up with. This is what I can make sure that is happening. If you are comfortable with that, let's keep going and proceeding. And then now it becomes from the client perspective is whether they want to work with you or not. So you are, you're no longer firing clients. Instead, what you're doing is you're allowing your clients to decide whether or not they would like to continue. And then they can make that choice. To, well, maybe I want to go see somebody else. Maybe I want to go see some other clinic or whatever. But we're not doing this, this rigid firing perspective. But does that ever come up with physical therapy with people firing patients or... Uh, no, but uh, it does come up when ther patients come in with their pain, with their beliefs that I need to be fixed by you. And uh, the last time when they came for therapy, it was more of a manual therapy approach. And I had 20 visits. I think I shared this story. Maybe I did or didn't. I can't remember. But there was a patient came in with um, uh, neck pain and said, you know, I was seen in physical therapy four years ago and I had a um, very good experience. I was seen about 20 times and um, they helped me with my neck and they fixed my neck and they used traction and all, and you know, they worked on my neck and I, I'm feeling much better. And for four years I was fixed. And so now my symptoms are back. And I, um, I, I always ask this question, what are your expectations from physical therapy? And they say, well, I expect to be fixed so that I have another four or five years um, without pain. So I said, well, I don't do that. I, I don't fix my patients, but I have clinicians who have who do that, who work with manual therapy and who who can help fix you or give you what you had gotten last time. Um, and she, but I, I I have a totally different way of um, my approach is very different. And um, this is what I would do. So I would explain to her what I was going to do. But we had a very good therapeutic alliance. So um, my thought was she was never good, not going to come back, even though I had a good therapeutic alliance. Her beliefs were so strong about that fixing. So of course, uh, I um, she was late um, for the appointment, and uh, I, I didn't get. I wasn't informed by my front office that um, I had a patient. So I was I was like disappointed that we spent such a good time talking to each other. And she was a elderly woman. 
and I like working with older people a lot. So I called her uh, house to see where she was. And her, her spouse said, well, she's already in therapy. So it, it was a miscommunication. <laughs> she was already sitting out there and I was ready to call her home. So I was like, oh, she's here. I was so excited. But here's the key. In two visits, her shoulder pain was all better, but she also had knee pain. And that was not addressed, had not been addressed. She's like, that's so chronic. Every time I go see the doctor, they say, oh, you need surgery, but I'm not ready for surgery. I'm never going to have surgery. And we ended up working on functional activities, like she wanted to go on the uh, floor to get, you know, the kneel on her knees so she could do gardening. So we worked on all those things. And before you know, she was that in five visits. And she was actually, her shoulder pain was gone in the second visit, which is, was a primary reason why she was there. But because we were working all the functional things, it took us five visits to where she really wanted to be. And she was very content with, um, you know, her function and her ability to go to walks and lift things and all that stuff. Yeah, that's, that's great. And that brings up a whole nother topic that I will save. I'm not even going to mention it because I don't want to, I don't want to totally sidestep this issue, but um, it's funny because you're talking about there's a there's a there's a perspective from the client or patient, right? Oh, this was it worked so well for me. I only had 20 visits, and then me sitting here when I hear that, I'm like, holy crap! Like oh, we have we have the clinical standpoint, 20 visits, and you think about the resources that are involved with that, um, the the kind of toss up on whether or not after 20 visits, they would have gotten better. The resource allocation, when we're, it, it, all those things that, that sometimes people don't want to talk about with medicine, but it becomes important because we money doesn't grow on trees. Resources don't grow on trees. And so we want to be effective, absolutely. But we also want to be efficient in care. And so you go from 20 visits of something with the, where you have somebody on the outset finishing 20, 20 visits. I mean, that's like, that's like six months or, or so. I mean, that's- that's very common, Kevin. I, 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 and it just—it still just blows my mind because you have six months of somebody engaged in this, with whether or not what the outcome is, because we don't know. Then they they exit that feeling somewhat better, but there's the expectation if this recurs, I have to come back again for another twenty visits. When, <laughs> from a pain standpoint, I mean, it's just it's just kind of ridiculous. So that just yeah. that just blows my mind. It, it, uh. <laughs> I, I agree with you. It, to this to this date, we still have therapists seeing their patients two times a week for you know however long. So yeah, they're, they're, it, because as clinicians we are not on board completely. Um, this is it's it's a very slow process. I was hoping, oh my gosh, I got this big enlightenment that pain is you know uh, it's so exciting and all that. And I thought you know oh yeah we're gonna just share this and everything is gonna change and. Our whole department is going to be amazing. And we, we still, as a department, are amazing. We really are. If you compare it to another department, that is just, they're not ready to go into the whole um, psychosocial world at all. So, well, yeah. and you guys have documentation. That's the other thing I really love about that is is um, with your department and, and documented when we're talking about effective versus efficient and effective and efficient care. Because some people say, well, if you're just you're talking about all this touchy feely stuff and thoughts and feelings and emotions when it comes to pain and they're coming to the physical therapy because they want to be fixed. And I know my magic hands do that. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure people probably don't follow up with you and because they're leaving because they're upset. But you have actually documented photo scores where you are both efficient 
and effective. Like you, I mean, just here with, with anecdotally, you're talking about three visits, four visits, five visits as compared to 22 visits. And the other beautiful thing about this is the fact when then you separate pain from this pain pus oozy source thing and you recognize what pain is as sort of this experience. And then when you have that core foundation now, then you can start addressing other functional issues. So it goes beyond neck and shoulder, but then you can easily transition into a knee. You can easily transition into a foot or ankle or back because you have the framework around pain. And then it just becomes, well, what's the functional nature of the impairment that we're dealing with now? Um, so, oh yeah, it's, I always enjoy talking to you. So anyway. <laughs> and it's also how, when we are working with our patients, um, and helping them with their pain and helping them understand how complex this is and how all these other factors are playing such a big role in it. Once they start getting that and, and they under, start understanding health, their, their whole life changes. You know, uh, I, I'll give you another story of one of my patients who I was seeing for back pain. Every morning she would come with the, with the lateral shift in her back because of severe pain waking up in the morning. And, you know, we, we worked on her. I worked on her about six to seven visits and it was just, we were not going anywhere um, with it, just not making enough, enough um, of a change. But she was a very, in, she really wanted to get better. And she's just like, I, I can't, I don't know what to do. And then she shared with me that every morning I wake up, she had this complex, um, uh, her husband, you know, was incarcerated and all that and was getting released from jail. And she's like, every morning I wake up, I look at the window, I visualize that my husband's going to come to kill me and my kids. And I was like, well, that's a big contributing factor to your experience every morning, getting up with this body, you know, completely shifted. And she was a dancer. So we talked about dancing and all that. And, and eventually COVID hit and I never saw her. And then she came back on telemedicine and she did this whole performance with me. She said, Sharna, are you ready? I want to show you. She had this cane in her hand and whatnot. And she, and then she said, okay, turn some music on. She pushed the desk away, threw the cane away, and she did a full dance. This <laughs> woman had lost 60 pounds on health. And they mo she moved her apart, her place where she was living with her kids to another place. And she did a full blown dance. Oh, I was just crying the whole time. And then she's like, I have lost so much weight. My kids have lost so much. I was like, how's your pain? I said, what pain? I said, why am I seeing you? She's like, oh, I have some knee pain I wanted to talk to you about. But basically, I wanted to show you how well I am doing. I was like, oh, my gosh. That is also interesting. So it was, it was a very amazing session we had because I got to hear how well she had turned her whole life around. And that's, that's fantastic. And those are the, the stories I love because... You know, there you have somebody who now, and we talked about entrapping versus empowered, is because of the this more of empowered pain care model, it just starts to ripple out everywhere. And that's that's what I think is exciting. So I don't want to talk too long on this one. I, I think I'm gonna bring this to a close unless you have any last little little segments, words of wisdom here. No. No? All right. Well, um, and we have more to discuss in a future episode, but Everybody, this is Straight Shot Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Kukar, with my fabulous guest, Dr. Sharna Prasad, talking pain and pain care. If you have questions or comments or concerns, you can email directly at drkevin at straightshothealth.com. And until the next episode, stay well.